If you've got a Bible, you might want to start scrolling or turning to John chapter 1. And we'll be reading just a few verses from the beginning. John chapter 1. Well, hey, Jubilee, we are back. How good is this? Right at the outset, I want to say a massive thank you to those of you, all of you, who have made church happen and made our social action and social engagement projects happen in certainly the most challenging season we've ever faced in the history of Jubilee. In fact, I think that needs an applause, a big praise, God. Come on, Jesus is building his church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I also felt God tell us all right at the outset of meeting back together to shake it off. God wants us to shake everything off. So that's what I want you to do right now. Come on, Jubilee. Right now is an act of faith. Let's stand and shake it off. God says shake it off. What am I talking about? Well, he says shake off sluggishness. Shake off fear and dissatisfaction. Shake off disunity. Shake off the dust, restlessness, a yearning for comfort. Shake off insecurity or apprehension. Shake off worldliness. Shake off de uh, depression or anxiety or people-pleasing rather than God-pleasing. Shake off distracted busyness. God says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Great. You've done enough shaking off now. Well done. Next, we are going to put stuff on. We're going to put on the full armour of God, God, as Harold said last week. So let's get dressed. Put it on. The belt of truth. Remember? Because the enemy is a liar. The breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, neither of those are earned. Both are given freely. Amazing grace rules in this church. Now pick up the shield of faith. Hold it tight. In this coming season, we are going to trust God for the impossible, are we not? Next, grab your helmets, helmets of salvation, a new creation, Call to live boldly, you and me, live differently, be who you really are. And finally, put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Bible reading, made alive by God and put into faith-filled action. Well done, we are now dressed. You're looking good. Great. Now let's pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's what we're going to do after shaking it off. That's what you do after shaking it off and getting suited up. We pray, as I'm going to do in a minute. Jubilee, in my 20 years of leadership, in times of breakthrough, there is always battle. As Harold said last week, it's not like a battle, it is a battle. The call to Christ is a call to arms. The Christian life means warfare. There is no room in Christ's army for those who want to play at Christianity, seeking the thrills and the frills, but shirking the cut and thrust of battle. Good old Arthur Wallace said that. We have an enemy not to be feared, but to be alert. So shake it off and put it on and pray always. Let's read John 1, shall we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The word became flesh and made his dwelling, his home, his tabernacle, his temple among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father God, we welcome you here. Father God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you are all in all and that you've been with us in these difficult times. And we pray, Lord God, this morning as we meet back together as Jubilee Church family, we pray that your hand will be upon us and that you will lead us and stir us into faith in action. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at what it means to be the place where God chooses to live his home you and me the church phenomenal Jesus said in John 14 if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him in a region where people are spiritually homeless on the streets lost kicked out hungry without God home is life-saving God describes his home in different ways, doesn't he, in the Bible? This week we are going to be looking at the temple. Other weeks, the household, the family or the dwelling place. And finally, week four, the church. Before we move into Yarm Road, we will be joining our global home, our worldwide sphere of churches at the exciting Devoted Online Festival. So today let's dive in and look at the significance of the temple. We just read there in John that the word Jesus, the very person of God, the voice of God, the very reason for living became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, or quite literally, he pitched his tent in our midst. That word dwelling is actually the word tabernacle, mishkan. Remember what the tabernacle was? It was the tent that God instructed Moses to build and transport at Mount Sinai, the portable earthly home of God. Ultimately, that temple, that tent became a temple in the 11th century BC. King Solomon built it. God's glorious residence. But what's fascinating is this whole temple language and temple imagery in the Bible has always been about much more than just buildings or tents. In fact, when you look at the Bible carefully, it's actually about God ripped large. It's about his presence filling the whole earth and quite the opposite, actually, from being confined to a box of bricks. You see, the Garden of Eden was the original temple, the place where God lived. In this temple, there was a man called Adam, a priest, who was appointed to serve it and keep it like in the following tabernacle and temple. It was guarded by big angels called cherubim, like the ones Isaiah sees as he falls down to his feet uh, when they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. <coughs> this garden had tons of fruit and a tree 
like the later tabernacle and temple. And then Eden also had a river flowing through the middle of it with its entrance facing east. Like the temple vision in Ezekiel 47.12. These aren't coincidences. <coughs> the Garden of Eden was the original temple. But also there's a temple right at the end too. In Revelation 21 to 22, the whole of creation now has become a temple with a river, with fruit, with cherubim, with a tree. Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. From start to finish Jubilee, we have a temple. But the big difference with the Revelation, new heavens and earth temple, there's not, there's not a brick built structure in sight or any form of tent material. This city has no physical structural temple at all. As Andrew Wilson puts it, the entire new creation has become a temple, a place where God lives in uninterrupted and untainted glory. Wow! So what? Who gives a monkey's Raj? Well, the point is this. The temple was never ultimately about buildings and structures. It was about presence, God's presence. You see, the other thing about the tabernacle and the temple was that it always had three parts to make this clear. There was the most holy place or the holy of holies where God lived. Then the holy place or the tent of meeting where only the priests resided. They were the kind of go-betweeners between man, humanity and God. And after that, the court where normal Israelites could come. And there was a reason for this three-section construction. On the one hand, Israel was able to benefit from having the presence of Yahweh in their midst, since the temple was where heaven met earth. But on the other hand, the Jews were protected from Yahweh's holiness by being kept separate through this three-part system. But this was never the ultimate plan. God's intention was always that his presence would fill the earth. This was a temporary measure, if you like. The bigger picture was that one day the presence of God would break out the whole of the Holy of Holies, like in Revelation, and start filling the entire cosmos. In fact, that bigger picture had always been there ever since the Garden of Eden. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and govern it. An ever-expanding garden. When Jesus died on the cross and took our sin and filth and condemnation and scars and exchanged them for righteousness and holiness and purity. The very words, thoughts and actions that separated us from this holy God was destroyed forever. And suddenly it wasn't that the world was just brought into God's presence. That's true and totally great. But bigger than that. The cross took God's presence also into the whole world. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's the point. When we move into Yarm Road, we are not just moving into another location, but we are building a missional base, a strategic centre where God's glory will fill Teesside, this nation and the nations. I remember uh, Mickey Vero, uh, a man with a real prophetic gift years ago, talked about how we were a constantly moving train from stop to stop as people moved in and off the train for the next leg of the journey. Always on the move, breaking ground, seeing more people saved, moving into the new. I believe the time is right to move on now to another station. God is calling us to leave behind the church of before lockdown to reap the harvest of the church going forward beyond Freedom Day. This temple you and me are breaking out. Listen, God says the time has come for you to lead these people into the land I am giving them. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you and take possession of the land the Lord God is giving you. We've come a long way so far, haven't we, Jubilee? We planted a church in Hull, which has seen other plants from it, and which now is planting again in another city. We've seen Open Door move from strength to strength, caring and housing some of the most endangered people groups on the planet. I believe that is going to rip large in this next season. We have seen our strong links with Sue and John and the Hope Foundation also <clears throat> become more robust and fruitful. We have raised money for schools and charities and churches across Teesside, this nation and the nations. We have nurtured and encouraged Michael and Mabel Akosha from Ghana to strategically gather a disenchanted group of individuals back into an advancing movement, broadening and deepening our Christ central family, raising leaders through the school of leadership, supporting their villages and towns through COVID hardship, and are currently exploring the possibility of being a national compassion hub. We've seen the fruit of Alpha and salvation over the years. Some of you are sitting and watching this are from that, as we will be reminded of again at the end of the month and when Jeremy and Anne join us at our first Yarm Road gathering, we are part of a bigger Christ Central Church's family on a mission together in over 25 nations and gathering 275 churches. We've sent leaders to Uganda, Liberia, Manchester, Turkey, Kenya, Hull and beyond. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people saved and added to our church and churches across Teesside and other cities since we started in 1998. We've invested into students who have moved on and are doing amazing things in this nation and other nations. We have helped coordinate Food Bank in the busiest season of their existence so far. These are just some of the things God has done in Jubilee. You will recount loads more, I'm sure. Listen, we must never underestimate the big and expanding temple impact of the church. The Apostle Paul makes this personal 
in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, all of us? We, the church, are the way in which God's spirit, his glory, his presence and fruit and trees of healing and rivers of life fill the earth. Fill our streets and workplaces and schools and universities and neighbourhoods. And wherever you set foot on land, the Lord your God is giving you. Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Or as Ginny spoke over us at the last devoted festival, in God's kingdom, the damn wall is about to burst. And we are to get right in there, to get into what God is doing right now, to get in the waters that will change the landscape completely. The waters that will drench every available space. There's a lot of prophetic talk about the church not being the same as it was before lockdown. Church without walls, a scattered people, the church has left the building jubilee. When God speaks, we must take him seriously. This move to Yarm Road is part of a bigger plan that we feel God is calling us to walk into over this next season. And I really want you to hear this, particularly for those of you like me who don't live in Stockton. The point of this move isn't to be a large Stockton church, but rather to build a missional base where we can plant sites in other places, broadening the reach of the church across Teesside. Outposts of heaven scattered wider, if you like. One large church, multiple smaller sites. That's the big change for us. You get what you pray for, don't you? Isaiah 43, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it, Jubilee? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. One church, multiple sites, the home of God, his temple, expanding across Teesside, this nation and the nations. Listen, Jubilee, do you have faith for a different way of building church? Will you be obedient to God? Will you be guided by his spirit to take courageous steps, despite the many questions you might have and the hurdles we will surely face as we move out? Pray. What else about the temple? Well, it had a curtain about 60 feet high and three inches thick. The parish here, this curtain was a sign of separation. It was declaring <coughs> that God is profoundly holy and you are not. And that remained so for 1500 years. But one day something happened in AD 30 that would have shocked the temple attendants on that afternoon. Suddenly, this barrier that prevented you from approaching God for 15 centuries ripped in two from top to bottom. 60 inches high, three inches thick. And as they witnessed this over the hill, they would have seen a man on a cross. The dying Messiah, Jesus himself at that very moment, taking on the sins of the world, all the filth and the grot of our lives, all the deserved consequences of humanity's disobedience, dishonour and disregard 
for this holy God. Everything that separated us from him. Everything that the curtain signified. 60 inches high, 3 inches thick. And now, by the grace of God, we have full access to the Holy of Holies. God's intimate love, as the writer of Hebrews says. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And it's open to everyone, everywhere. Before, the temple was a segregated place. In fact, there was a big sign before you entered called the Soreg, which read, No stranger is to enter within the balustrade round the temple and enclosure. Whoever is caught will be himself responsible for his ensuing death. Personally, I think I prefer our welcome to church sign better than theirs. The Apostle Paul tells us, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Heirs together, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility, creating in himself one new humanity out of the two. Jubilee, God is building his multicoloured church on Teesside as a light to the world. That no matter what the world does and says about our differences and how one group is more important and valued than another, we the church are different. As Dr. John M. Perkins, a Christian minister and American segregation activist, now in his 90s, says, There is no institution on earth more equipped and capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation than the church. But we have some hard work to do. By the grace of God, the nations are coming together in joy and unity right here. Look around. We have... More work to do, though, Jubilee. More dividing walls need to come down. Our homes need to be more open. Our diaries need to be more flexible. Our arms need to be stretched out further towards others of different languages, social backgrounds, chaotic lifestyles, sexual orientation, colour and ethnicity. Our schedules need to be less restrictive. Our attitudes and expectations of what church should look like need to be less rigid. We have work to do. 1 Peter 2 says, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why hear this? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him, Jesus, who you've been, who's called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Radically different, you and me. Radically releasing. Radically transforming. Priests, the temples of God scattered all over the place. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans. <clears throat> message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. 
Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as a sacrificial offering. We are not playing I'm a Christian, get me out of here, Jubilee. This is a season of mobilising the church, you and me, into faith in action. Jubilee, like Isaiah, will you say, here I am, send me. Finally, what I have learned through lockdown more than anything is that all these plans and stirrings from God are far too overwhelming, were it not for one great truth. And it's this. We have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Jesus, the son of God, who understands our weaknesses and through whom and in whom we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus is our great high priest. He is also the fulfillment of the temple. God's present writ large by his spirit. He is the tree of life bringing healing, the vine. From him comes rivers of life and healing. He is the source of the fruit of the spirit. Jesus said to Nathaniel, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. The temple, God person in whom heaven meets earth. On the Mount of Transfiguration, God's glory shone forth, causing Jesus, causing his disciples to fall in awe and wonder. Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. The physical manifestation of the Holy of Holies. Jesus promised to destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The resurrection body of Christ. Jesus is our great high priest whose name is love. The last Adam who became a life-giving spirit. I'm going to end with John Piper's words. As long as the world lasts, Jesus will be with us in this world. This is the loving comfort, the one who has put all his enemies under his feet and has died for us and has risen for us and triumphed over sin and guilt and condemnation and suffering and death and sin, and who has all authority in heaven and on earth. This one, this great high priest, comforts us by promising us that he will always be with us to the end of the age, to do us good and to bring us safely back home. Jubilee, you are home.